Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Glad you're here. I hope that the week has been however you've needed it to be. And as we are looking over in the next couple weeks, we've got some things going on. So we definitely hope that you'll be able to be there for that. A reminder that next Sunday, so May 28th, we're going to be celebrating Ty's graduation and sending him off um, as he goes on to do great things. And the following Sunday will be Pride Sunday. So we will have a mixture of a lot of things happening, uh, some special surprises, handing out this year's Pride Packs, all of that good stuff. So definitely hope you'll be able to make it for that. And as always, if you can't, we'll definitely try to save some for you. Um, and then we are into our summer series. We're going to be reading The Alchemist uh, together, and it's going to be an online Zoom community group. We've been doing the in-person, which from what I've heard has been amazing, and I'm excited to jump into the conversation over the summer. So I think that is all of you know, the important updates, so let's get into it. I'll read our text from John 17, verses 1 through 11. This is the message version. Jesus said these things. Then raising his eyes in prayer, he said, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your son, so the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, so he might give real and eternal life in all, to all in his care. And this is the real and eternal life, that they know you, Jesus and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. I glorified you on earth by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with your very own splendor, the very splendor I had in your presence before there was a world. I spelled out your character in detail to the men and women you gave me. They are yours in the first place. You gave them to me, and they have now done what you said. They know now, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that everything you gave me is firsthand from you. For the message you gave me, I gave them. They took it and were convinced that I came from you. They believe that you sent me, and so I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you gave me. For they are yours by right. Everything mine is yours, and yours mine. My life is on display in them. For I'm no longer going to be visible in the world. They'll continue in the world while I return to you. Holy Father, guard them as they pursue this life that you conferred as a gift through me, so they can be one heart and mind, as we are one heart and mind. The word of the Lord. So we continue in, I think, this interesting and mystical space um, in his conversations and prayers that Jesus is having with and around the disciples as he is preparing um, towards the cross. This is um, part of, you know, the night of the Last Supper. Jesus has shared a meal with them, washed their feet, given them new commandments, um, and told them that he's leaving, and now he prays. And he prays for um, three times he asks the Father that we would all become one as he and the Father are one. I think that Jesus, in those last few verses, is proud of what he is leaving behind. 
in the context of Jesus assuring his disciples that he is not abandoning them, but his presence, his type of presence is changing. He's trying to also soothe um, those around him with these words. And of course, their anxiety is multifold, uh, one of which is fear of harm, right? They recognize that Jesus and the disciples have been and will continue to be up against threats of violence um, because of the nature of Jesus's radical acts, uh, pushing back against empire, all of these things. They worry about what it's going to be like without having Jesus there in leading them in all of those steps. But he's also talking about this prayer of oneness so that they may be one as we are one. Um, he later, uh, a couple of verses later after this text, also is praying for um, complete joy, that they might have my joy made complete in themselves. And so he's doing a couple things within this prayer, trying to assure those around him, refocus their attention, um, and pursuing unity and hoping for unity. And I think Jesus is praying for oneness. He also recognizes and is rejecting the things that divide us uh, while still loving uh, the disciples and also therefore us through the, our differences, right? I think there's a fine line when we talk about unity and we talk about oneness where we're talking about unity in diversity, that it's not that we are abandoning ourselves or the things that make um, our backgrounds, our identities special and unique. It is rejecting the boundaries that and the separations that have been so present kind of across the board. And I like to see this passage in this prayer kind of like an advanced directive. And hear me out on this. Um, but this is kind of Jesus's wishes for the after. When we hear the words advanced directive, maybe we kind of get stuck in thinking that that's just about, you know, the kind of medical treatment someone would want when they're no longer able to make decisions for themselves. But if you've ever filled out an advanced directive or you've helped someone fill out an advanced directive, it's also um, some other wishes that you get to name in the event, right, that either something happens to you, you can't make decisions anymore, and talking about what you would want in the end and in the after. Uh, you can describe how comfortable you want to be, how you want people to treat you, um, what you want your loved ones to know. And I think this is, again, the how that Jesus is tapping into, what life is going to look like. And again, remember John... We don't have um, the kind of traditional resurrection narrative either. Um, so I think in some ways, John is being very much more direct about Jesus's death uh, than perhaps some of the other gospel texts. But that aside, unity and oneness is in some regards a pipe dream because we see how many divisions are present in our society today, and even uh, back as he is talking to the disciples. But this is also, I think, 
not necessarily a prescription of how to live out your faith, but the hope of what it feels like, the hope of how we exist in our being, not necessarily in the doing. You know, we think we have bodies instead of being our bodies. We end up isolated even from our own selves. We distinguish between ourself and nature, and we end up exploiting the environment from which we're estranged. We think we're separate from other people, and then this results in breaching um, our knowledge of our underlying shared humanity. There are so many ways in which we are divided and isolated. And I've talked about um, sermons past, and I'll post them again, about the ascension and also about kind of awareness of oneness. What does it look like? How do we try to hold on to any hope that oneness can be achieved in some sort of way? And perhaps it's not about setting it up as an achievement or as something that we do. Sorry, that was my alarm uh, to remind me to be awake. I love images of oneness um, where it is made up of multiple parts right? But then in its essence is one kind of complete thing. I've talked about my understanding of truth is kind of like um, a giant blown up uh, beach ball. And everyone is super, super close to it, you know, and so what they might be seeing in front of you is, you know, the red panel, whereas someone else might be the blue or the white or the yellow. And it's not until We've gotten everyone's picture that we finally realize, you know, what the whole thing ends up being. And that is a lifelong process. I've also uh, really been attached to the image of the divine is the ocean. And we are individual waves, right? If the divine is a container of some sort, we are everything that fills it. That there is some sort of unique and mystical oneness about no matter how different we might describe the divine, we have the divine within us. And I think there are a lot of voices, a lot of inputs that try to keep us from finding that oneness. One, because I think capitalism thrives off of our individuality and our need for competition or need to be the best in some sort of way. Even if it's not playing out in your individual life. It's playing out in the way in which this country sees itself. Um, it plays out in uh, the way stocks and all these things around us are playing out. There's always a constant competition. Uh, and even within the institution of the church, there is this strange um, concept of oneness that also completely rids people of themselves, right? That when you walk into the space, the only identity that matters is the one that you have in Christ. And you aren't allowed any sense of individuality. You aren't allowed to represent your queerness or your backgrounds, um, your culture, any of these things. It's It gets erased. And so, of course, as with anything, um, there is kind of a miss on both sides, both extremes. And that's one of the reasons why I love uh, one of Sam's songs. 
Am I the Galaxy? Um, it is so beautiful, and we've sung it many times, and I've talked a lot about my friend Sam Hedrick, who's a worship leader up in Portland. Um, he was one of the leaders for the songwriting retreat, and he himself is trans. Uh, he and his wife have been kind of on this journey forever um, as they've both gone through kind of multiple bouts of deconstruction, thinking through different avenues of faith and belief, um, being parts of community, taking steps back when they needed, all sorts of things. And this song in particular asks a question and then answers it at the end. And the question is, if I return to you, do I still belong to me? Um, Because I think even in oneness, even in realizing that the divine is within all of us, There are some church spaces that have taken people's agency and dignity away from them, which is not, I think, a real um, goal of oneness or unity. But this is something that has very much been a struggle within this space. And at the end of the song, as it's closing, it turns, you know, if I return to you, I do still belong to me. And I think it's that balance that we live in, you know, that it is both humility and also acknowledging our beauty, right? That we are the same particles made that make up stardust, and yet we are dust, and to dust we shall return. That is the balance in which I think we hang and we try to figure out how to make sense of life, how to connect with other people, how to seek justice, love mercy, all of these things within our, our lifespan. And the reality is we don't know, we don't know how many days that is. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't know, you know, what might take us and isolate us, um, or what might bring us together. We're simply, I think, walking, right, as cliche as it is, walking with a faith and belief that things will continue, um, to come back around to show us that all is well and all shall be well. Now, enough of all of that mystical side of Kelly. Um, I think this doesn't necessarily change anything about what we're doing right now in the space of our community. Uh, You know, we will be talking about goals moving forward. You know, we'll be looking at different ways to provide spaces for community. Um, both within Mission Hills and connecting with our our local neighborhood. But at the same time, I really think that there's been a lot of beauty in just showing up, just being, just having these conversations. And on Sunday, I really do want to focus on where is our hope? What are we excited about? What are we looking forward to? How do we express um, our oneness even in all of our diversity and how do we integrate all the different parts of ourselves i don't think this is a bad thing but we do show up as you know different aspects of ourselves in workspace in home space in church space um, in any other spaces that you occupy on a week-to-week basis and you know that you are capable of being all of those things, even in yourself. And sometimes we still 
have difficulty integrating that all of those pieces are beautiful and not one less than the other. And I think that's a work in progress, as is so much of what we're talking about here at Mission Hills and trying to do and just be in together. So I hope you'll join us for conversation. Um, I hope that this has been helpful in some way, shape, or form. And I will also post last year's sermon um, that I did on the Ascension. I truly had nothing new to provide um, on that text, and so we went with the alternative text for this week. And perhaps, you know, the two together is, it'll come up with something. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts, as always, as we approach this week. May we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. Amen.